0: Jesus Messiah. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our God. Amen. Amen. Good to see each one this morning. You have your Bibles turned to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. Chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 12 through 22 this morning. We are going to begin a series today that we've entitled The Path to Resurrection Sunday. Now, what we're going to do is, over the next few weeks, just work our way up to Resurrection Sunday. Now, today we want to look at the idea of true Christianity. The question is, what is true Christianity? I believe that most people today have no earthly idea what Christianity means. I got an idea today that many people do not understand what it means to be a Christian. I have a good idea that many people within our churches don't know what it's like to live a Christian life. So what we're going to look at this morning is true Christianity and how it is more than mere religion. There's a difference in religion and Christianity. Now, the Sunday before his death, Jesus began his trip to Jerusalem knowing soon that he would lay down his life for our sins. Now, while the exact order of events during the week after Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is debated among some Bible scholars, I want to follow the steps of Jesus uh, the best we can leading up to Resurrection Sunday by looking at some of the major events that took place that last week of the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I believe we can learn some lessons from them that we need to apply to our life. Now, after entering Jerusalem, on what is known as Palm Sunday Jesus and his disciples went to Bethany. Uh, it's about two miles uh, you know, from Jerusalem, east of Jerusalem a little ways. That's where Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha live. Lazarus is the one that Jesus raised from the dead. Now the following morning, Jesus returns to uh, the, to Jerusalem with his disciples. And here's where we'll pick up the story this morning with two events that took place when Jesus went back to Jerusalem that next morning. Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. Now, we've seen this before. This is not the first time that Jesus had to go in the temple and cast some people out. Okay? So here we see on uh, you know, this week, right before he died... He went to the temple, and he overthrew tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw uh, the, the wonderful things that he had did, and the children uh, crying in the temple and saying Hosanna, Son of David, they were very displeased. And he said unto them, uh, and they said unto him, uh, Here is not what thou sayest. And Jesus said to them, Yea, have you not read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, uh, thou hast perfected praise? And I, and he left them and went out into the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now, after entering Jerusalem here, we see one of the first things that Jesus did was went to the temple. He went to the temple to worship his father. Now, you know, uh, yet what he found when he got there, what he found when he got to the temple, it made him angry. Because Jesus did not find in the temple what he expected to find, which he probably knew what he would find. He is God. But he went there to worship, yet some things were taking place. Christ, at this point, begins again for the second time to cleanse the temple. Now, as I look around, you know, I often wonder what Jesus would do if he entered some of the churches in the United States of America today. You know, would he like what he sees? Think about that. If Jesus entered some of the churches in the United States of America today, would He like what He sees? Would He like the hearts of the people that are gathered together in the churches? Would He like the attitudes of the people that are there who call themselves Christians? Would He like the worship of the people? Or would He shake His head and say, what in the world is going on here? Listen, if He was to be in Fairview Baptist Church this morning, if our Lord and Savior would walk through those doors this morning of Fairview Baptist Church, would He like leave this place this morning saying it was good to be in the house of God or would he get out of here as fast as he could and say I'll never come back to that place again folks that's what we as a church have to, 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 to try to understand and say we want it when Jesus shows up that he is welcome here and that Jesus will be able to worship the way you know he desires to our prayers each week each week when we enter this house our prayer should be oh Lord cleanse the church now, you say, well, wait a minute. You want him to turn over things like he did it there? If it needs to be turned over, turn it over. If what we're doing is not pleasing to God, we need to be able to invite Jesus to come in and say, just get rid of everything that's not pleasing to you. We should be able to say, oh, Lord, enter before us and reveal to us the things that displease you. When was the last time in your life personally, that you went before the Lord and said, Lord, reveal the things in my life that displease you. You know, it's kind of like that old Wolf brand chili commercial that's been too long. For many people, that's been too long. Folks, that's what we need to do on a daily basis invite the Lord, His Spirit, to come into our heart and say, Search me, O God. Reveal unto me the things that are not pleasing to you. If we're going to uh, experience true Christianity in our life rather than mere religion, that's what we have to do. Reveal to us the things that would, you know, help you accept my worship. You know, when you come through those doors on a Sunday morning, really this should be an everyday thing because you should worship the Lord every day. But when you come through those doors on a Sunday, your heart needs to be prepared for worship. Not just be here because it's Sunday at at 11 o'clock and that's where you're supposed to be. Now, again, this is not the first time that we see Jesus having to go into the temple and wreck the place, so to speak. In John chapter 2, verse 13, we see that took place there. That's when Jesus went into the temple with the whip. Remember the story? Some people think it's the same story. It's two different stories. It was three and a half years earlier, three years earlier, should I say, that Jesus had to do the very same thing in the temple. Because even back then, they were making a mockery out of the temple of God. And it displeased our Lord. And now we see the same thing happening again. Why? Because the church had went right back to where it was. To where it was. Now, why did Jesus cleanse the temple? You see, Jesus cleansed the temple of the money changers and the sellers of merchandise because it disgusted him. It disgusted him because they had made, you know, they had taken the house of God, the house of prayer, and made it into a money-making machine, if you please. Look, Jesus took the house of God serious, folks. And when we enter the house of God, we need to see it as such. It's a place where we meet with the very creator of this universe. You see, just as the temple had the money changers making what they could off the people of God, let me suggest to you the churches, there's many churches that still have money changers today. Now you say, Pastor, what do you mean there's churches that have money changers that are making money off the people of God? In many churches, folks, we have corruptors of the Word of God who are preaching the Word for filthy lucre. You know, they preach in the Word of God simply for what they can get out of it. For what they can get out of it. It's not the true Word of God they're preaching. Rather, it's a corrupt Word. And you know what? Some of them are making millions off of it. Now, just so you don't think I'm making millions off of it, you won't find a private jet of mine down at Angelina County Airport, okay? All right? Because I'm not making millions off of it. But can I suggest to you there are many people in many churches, making millions off of being no more than money changers because they're making money off the people of God. And you know what? We need to cry out for Christ to cleanse the church today, oh Lord. Because people look at those type of churches, people look at those money changers, and you know what they do? They group all preachers that way. They group all churches that way. In other words, they stereotype the church. And they say, I don't want no part of that. God, search our hearts, search our church, cleanse everything in this church, Father, that is not pleasing to you. The second thing we see there is Jesus cleansed the temple of the money changers and the sellers of merchandise to vindicate the holiness of God. To vindicate the holiness of God. Look, we need to see the house of God as a holy place, a place set aside for worship of God. That's what this sanctuary is for. It's a holy place, and holy simply means set apart for the service and the worship of God. So my my point is, is this. I can remember a time when people walked into a church and they did so with reverence and respect. Now, you know what, to many people it's just another building. It's just another building. Now it's just a place to gather together. You know, now it's just a place to slap each other on the back and tell jokes. Look, I like having fun as much as the next person. Y'all know that. Sometimes too much fun, I guess. But you know what? When we enter the sanctuary of God for worship, when it's time for worship, folks, we have to get serious with God. If we're going to hear from God, we have to become Focused on our great God and our great King. All our focus needs to be on Him. It needs to be a time that we direct our focus on Him and Him only. It needs to be a time that we lay all our cares aside and just seek God. You know what, I'm fully convinced that many of our cares would be taken care of if rather than, you know, we bring our cares here into the, into the sanctuary and we allow them to affect our worship with God, I believe many of those cares could be taken care of if you just lay them at the altar and worship God and then leave them here when you get through. But so many times people enter the house of God They bring their cares, they bring their worries, they bring their problems with them, and that's fine. But they should be laid here. Not allow those things in your life to affect your worship with God. Folks, we need to understand the house of God is a holy place set aside to worship God, and when you come to the house of God, worship God. Now, the third thing here is, you know, asking God to cleanse our church today is the only thing, it's the only hope for this state, this nation, and this world. The church needs to be cleansed. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ as a whole. Look, I firmly believe that one of the major problems in our world today, you know, is the church. You're saying, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Look, I'm not talking, I'm talking here about the condition of the church of Jesus Christ around the world, especially here in the United States of America. Many churches have lost the sense of Awe and reverence for the presence of Almighty God. And you know what? Many of them have become no more than religious social clubs. That's all some of them are. Religious social clubs. And I believe that for most churches, they're like the church at Ephesus. They've lost their first love. They meet week after week after week. Yet God has removed his spirit from them because they've left that first love and God hadn't shown up in years and they haven't even realized it. They haven't even realized that God has not been there. Look, when when Jesus entered the temple, the issue wasn't whether they reacted rightly. In other words, when he entered the temple, he wasn't expecting them to say, oh, here's, here's Messiah and, you know, sing the song that we sing, Jesus Messiah. No, he wasn't expecting them to react rightly. The issue was that they should have seen the holiness of God that they were making a mockery of. It demonstrated his vengeance against sin and blasphemy and false religion. Yes, I believe the prayer of the church today needs to be, cleanse us, O oh Lord and rid us of everything that's displeasing to you. And anything, anything, Lord, cleanse me of, anything that would hinder the moving of your Holy Spirit. Now, after Jesus cleansed the temple, what the next thing that we see happen in this same passage, uh, Matthew 21, beginning with verse 18. Now, in the morning, as he returned to the city, he hungered. So Jesus was a little bit hungry, okay? And he saw a fig tree as they walked down the road. And he came to it, verse 19, and he found nothing thereon, but leaves only. And he said to it, speaking about the fig tree, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently, in other words, at that moment, that fig tree withered away. Verse 20, and when their disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon this fig tree withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do which is done to the fig tree, but also you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, what we see taking place in this picture, this, this passage here, folks, is Jesus cursing a fig tree because that fig tree failed to bear fruit. Now, don't miss this. This is a very important lesson. As God's people, we must learn from it in order that we do not make the same mistake as this fig tree. Now, what am I talking about? That we don't make the same mistake as the fig tree. Look, there's no, more, no less than three things I think we can take from this story. The first thing is this. Jesus was upset because this fig tree painted itself as something it was not. Now, think about that for a moment. What upset Jesus was that this fig tree said, I'm a fig tree. Jesus was hungry, let's don't forget that. So Jesus seen the fig tree, painting itself as a fig tree, and he walks up there. How many figs did he see on the tree? None. Zilch. Zero. The fig tree was lying to Jesus. By saying, I'm a fig tree. Now, now let's dig into this. Notice verse 19, when he saw the fig tree on the way, he came to it. In other words, that fig tree said, you're hungry, I'm a fig tree, come here. So when Jesus got there, there was no figs. Look, now I don't believe it's coincidental here that this event follows the cleansing of the temple. Remember, Jesus cleansed the temple because the people were no longer seeing the house of God as a holy place. They were no longer seeing it as a place set aside for worship. Look here. They painted the the temple to be the house of God just like this fig tree was painting itself to be a fig tree. But they painted the temple to be the house of God, but there was no action. There was no, or their action toward it was something different. It's not coincidental. The temple, the people in this temple are saying we're the temple of God. Jesus went there. There was no God present. They were making money off of it. Now he leaves. He sees this fig tree, this fig tree saying, you're hungry. I'm a fig tree. Come to me. He gets there, the fig tree had no figs. Now, stick with me here for just a moment. Jesus saw this fig tree doing the same thing, as I said, painting itself as something that produced fruit, but it actually produced nothing of value. Let me suggest to you this morning, we have a lot of people in a lot of church painting themselves to be Christians, but have no fruit about them whatsoever. No fruit about them whatsoever. The, 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 the fig tree represented believers who paint themselves as children of God, yet have never produced any fruit whatsoever. Notice verse 18. Now, when, uh, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. Look, I believe today that Jesus hungers Jesus hungers, you know, for a people who do not merely just paint themselves as children of God, who who, who don't just merely paint themselves as a church, but rather a people and a church that is producing fruit. That's what he's looking for. Jesus is hungering for a church. Jesus is hungering for people who not just paint themselves as being Christians, not just paint themselves as being church, but when he gets there, there's fruit. There's fruit. Look, there there is a world out there that hungers for the true word of God and for righteousness, and yet when they come to the church to feel that hunger, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Why? Because many churches are painting themselves as a church of Jesus Christ. And they're nothing more than money changers and merchandise sellers. There's a lot of people in a lot of those churches who are painting themselves to be Christians. Little Christ, followers of Christ. Yet when people get there, they find they're no more than a social club. Folks, that's not what Jesus is looking for. Now, the second thing we see here is the cursing of the fig tree represents, uh, represented God's judgment on the spiritually dead religious leaders. Why are a lot of these churches the way they are? I want to suggest to you because it's the leaders of the church that have led them to that. Let's look at this. Jesus was not only sending a message to the church as a whole, but he was also sending a message to the spiritual leaders of the church. Now understand this, the people of the church will be no more spiritual than the spiritual leaders who are leading them. Do I need to say that again? The people of the church will be no more spiritual than the spiritual leaders that are leading them. You know, and I believe it's time for those who dare call themselves spiritual leaders to begin leading in a way that's going to bring people closer to God and more Christ-like in their daily living and less conform to this world. Look, the church, needs more, uh, uh, the church needs more who look like Christ than they do who look like a social club. Now, the third thing is this. The cursing of the fig tree is a message extended to all believers demonstrating that genuine faith is more than just outward religious acts, rather that true living faith must bear spiritual fruit in one's life. How sad that many believers have never led a single person to the Lord. I'm talking about sitting down with a person, laying out the plan of salvation, and praying with that person and that person accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. In fact, studies show, studies show that less than 1% of people who call themselves Christians, less than 1% have ever led a person to the Lord. Now, if you don't believe those stat, uh, stats, ask yourself how many you have sat down with one-on-one and really led to the Lord. And here's the thing. That same study showed that less than a half of those, 1%, are consistent soul winners. What does that tell us, folks? That tells us there are a lot of people in a lot of churches painting themselves as a fig tree In other words, painting themselves as having fruit. But their limbs are bare. Their limbs are bare. Look, what we must understand is that we are likened to a tree. Okay? And the master gardener, our Godfather, he's examining our life. And when he examines our life, folks, he expects to see fruit on those trees. He expects to see fruit on those branches of ours. Good fruit, not bad fruit. You know, fruit that, that, that will fulfill the hunger of those who come to our tree, so to speak, that come into our life. It's all too easy to say, well, and, you know, this passage is actually about Israel and about the priest and, and their failure to recognize God. It's easy to say that. And that's partially true. But we've got to make these verses applicable to our life. How does this speak to me personally? And the way it speaks to us personally, folks, is what we've just spent time on. Look, we do this in order to, you know, when I'm saying we do this, we, we say, well, this is only for Israel and the priests. We only do that to distract ourselves from the uncomfortable truth that the fruit or lack thereof in our life is going to be evaluated from God. It's going to be evaluated. It's going to be evaluated one day. Jesus declared in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 that a tree is known by the fruit it bears. So let me ask you this morning, if you was to examine yourself, if you was to ask Jesus to come in your heart this morning and examine you and cleanse everything that is not pleasing to him, how much garbage would he have to throw out? I mean, would would he have just one of them little Brookshire Brother bags to fill up? Or would he have one of them big black garbage bags to fill up? up? Or would he have to call a garbage truck here to... I'm talking about one of them compactor trucks. Fill it up, compact it, fill it up, compact it. Just a thought. Just a thought. Look, Jesus declared, they're going to know you by your fruit. You know, we are known for what the character of our life is. So are you, this morning, are you a thistle? Are you a weed? Or are you a fruit-bearing tree? And if a fruit-bearing tree, are you actually bearing fruit? Is there anything on those branches, anything of nourishing value to a person who would come to you, and, you know, because you're painting yourself as a fig tree, who would come to you and say, I need what you got. I need what you got. What are people seeing when they view your life? What are people hearing when they listen to the words you have to say? And if Jesus showed up in your temple, and we're talking about your life, we're talking about you, what would he have to cleanse from it? What are the things in your life that he would have to cleanse? Because they're not honoring him. They're not pleasing him. Let me just close with this one final thought. Jesus Jesus gave us the secret to successful, consistent, fruit-bearing life. And it's so simple. It's so simple. And that was simply this, abide in him. Abide in him, stay close to him, talk to him, learn of him through his word. He himself is the source of our strength. He is the vine, we're the branches. And if we remain close to him, we're going to bear everlasting fruit. If we don't remain close to him, we, like that fig tree, who are are painting ourselves as being one of his. We'll become useless for the kingdom of God, and eventually, you know what's going to happen? Just like the fig tree, we're going to wither away. We're going to wither apart. And Jesus can do nothing with us. But the reverse is also true. You and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things. Look, true Christianity is more than just religion. Don't think just because you come to church or because you're a, quote, religious person that you're a true Christian. Folks, that's just not the case. I, that, that's not me. That's what the Bible teaches us. Look, true Christianity is a lifestyle that honors and pleases God And it's a lifestyle that bears fruit for the kingdom of God. So this morning, let me challenge you as we close. Are you willing? (laughs) Do you have enough nerve, okay, to go to God right now and say, Lord, enter my temple? We are the temple of God. We all understand that, right? If you're saved, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you have the guts this morning? Do you have the strength this morning? Do you have the maturity this morning to go to God and say, Lord, enter my temple and cleanse everything in my temple that is not pleasing to you and just leave it all up here at the altar and go out of this place free of all of that filth, all that stuff that's not honoring God, all that stuff that's not pleasing God, and walk through those doors being able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. It was good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you can't do that because, you know, your life is full of things that's not pleasing to God. The main thing is you don't possess the blood of Jesus Christ on your heart. And you need to come to God this morning and ask him the Lord to forgive you, come into your heart, and save you. And we're going to give you that opportunity also. So here in just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. And if you just need to bring some cares up here, if you just need to come up here this morning and say, Lord, search my heart. Enter my temple. If there's some tables that need turned over, turn them over. If there's some things that need to be cast out in that yard, cast them out in that yard. I want to be a fig tree that bears fruit for your kingdom. Let's pray.